Before someone can read your book, they need to buy it. And before they can buy it, they need to know it exists. And before they can know it exists, you must first have attracted their attention. So, how do you get someone's attention? This is a very important thing to learn and what we're going to be talking about today. Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm the Vulcan of book marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr., and this is the show for writers who want to build their platforms, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. And today we are joined by a very special guest, a voice you will recognize. He's a Christie Hall of Fame author and a best-selling author, and more impressive than that, former host of the Novel Marketing Podcast, James L. Rubart. Welcome back to the Novel Marketing Podcast. It is good to be here, Thomas. Thank you. So how do you get someone's attention? Let's just jump right into it. Yeah, Thomas, we have, I can't believe we've never talked about Broca. I mean, we did hundreds of shows together and not once did we teach our listeners about Broca's area of the brain and how critical it is in their careers. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about it today. Yeah. So what is Broca? Well, let me tell you a story that illustrates how to shock, surprise and delight Broca. And then let's go into, into the details of what Broca is. So back when I was in Seattle radio, before I opened my ad agency, I was selling, um, selling radio advertising. And I picked up the phone one day and there was no caller ID back then, but I picked up the phone and for whatever reason, just this crazy idea came into my head and I said, Domino's pizza, can I help you? Well, on the other end of the line was this client of mine, and she wasn't exactly the warmest personality. I mean, we always got along fine, but she, she, she was always pretty stoic and pretty close to the vest. Well, without missing a beat, she says, yeah, I'd like to order a large pepperoni pizza. I need it here by 1230. Thank you very much. And we laughed, right? We laughed for a few <laughs> minutes. Well, after we got off the phone... I called Domino's and I ordered I ordered a large pepperoni pizza and I had it delivered to the agency. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, a few days later I got this massive buy out of the agency for my radio station. And essentially what I did there, Thomas, is I surprised, shocked, and delighted Broca's area of her brain. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So Broca's area of the brain is directly behind the prefrontal cortex. To get to the prefrontal cortex where we make decisions, that's where we choose to take action or not take action. What we see and what we hear goes through this area. It was named for Paul Broca. He was a doctor and a scientist. And in 1861, he discovered this area. And essentially what Broca's area of the brain is, it is the filter or the bouncer of the brain. It filters out everything that's not surprising, provocative, entertaining and and so consequently if we as authors or we as actually people because i want to talk about this doesn't apply just to your career it applies to every area of your life if we are not doing the surprising the entertaining the provoking thing we are not going to get to the prefrontal cortex and in our context we are not going to be remembered we are not going to stand out yeah, the way I like to describe it is that you're sitting at a crowded restaurant and you're talking to somebody across the table and Broca's area of the brain is filtering out all the other voices so that you can hear that person. It's really remarkable at this, actually. 
training a computer to filter out all the voices and to hone in on just one is, is very difficult to do. So you're sitting there, you're at the table, you're listening to somebody, and then you hear some words spoken in anger. Somebody's shouting angrily. And because Broca's monitoring, you know, that part of your brain is monitoring what's going on in the room, even though you're listening to that one person. And suddenly the person across the table, you're not hearing them anymore. So you're like, is this danger? Is this a threat? And you go and look. It's like, oh, somebody spilled hot coffee on their lap and they're standing up and they're brushing themselves off and they're embarrassed and they're, they're shouting. And so you're like, OK, it's OK. Or maybe it's a threat, right? Maybe the restaurant's being robbed, right? You don't know. And so your, your brain's constantly monitoring for that thing that's different, that thing that doesn't fit the pattern we're really good you can put a hundred pencils all in a row and one pencil and they're all lined up perfectly except for one your brain will laser in right on that one that's out of order and we are what thomas is talking about is the reticular activator that is the filter that when you buy a car you buy a new car suddenly that car is everywhere on the road whereas beforehand you did not notice that car that's the reticular activator. And so we have to become that car that you're familiar with so that we notice it on the road. That's how you stand out. That's right. Because in the reader's brain, Broca is filtering you out most of the time. <laughs> Broca is not your friend. It's actually your biggest obstacle. And if you can overcome that filter, that's how you can win their attention and suddenly earn the right to tell them about your book. So how do you do that? I, I think rather than talk in theory, let's talk about some specific examples of shocking broke. I gave one with the pepperoni pizza, but let me give you some specific examples from my life and from other people's lives in the uh, publishing world. I went to my first conference in 2006, the Mount Hermon conference, and I had a meeting with Mick Silva and the meeting went well. I felt like we had a connection. And of course, I'm going to send a thank you note. What most people do with thank you notes is they send a thank you note that basically, hey, Thomas, thank you very much for the, for the time you spent with me. I got a lot out of the meeting. I hope we can connect again. Thank you very much, Jim Rubart. Well, that is not surprising and delighting Broca. That's Charlie Brown's parents. Wah, 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 because you're getting those notes all the time from people. And so what I wrote to Mick, it was very short and sweet. I essentially said, hey, you know, if there was more time in this life, I think we could have become friends, maybe in eternity, Jim. Well, he writes, <laughs> and I really felt that way. Again, it wasn't a f false thing. I really felt like we had a connection. So he writes to me two weeks later. He says, I want to see your manuscript. Please send it to me. Well, as, as fate would have it, Mick and I ended up becoming great friends. And I asked him one day, I said, so did that, is that the reason you asked for my manuscript? He said, absolutely. That kind of creativity told me that you were somebody that's a little different. So I had to see what you'd written. Another example is Alan Arnold, who was senior vice president and publisher for Thomas Nelson Fiction. And he wanted to sign Stephen Lawhead, who was his personal favorite author. So he talked to Stephen's agent and said, we'd like to propose for Stephen's next book deal. And they said, Alan, you're going to be wasting your time. There's, there's three publishers ahead of you. They're New York houses. They're all way bigger. They can offer more money. It's just, I, I mean, seriously, it's a waste of your time. Don't, don't do a proposal. And Alan said, well, do you mind if I at least send one? No, go ahead. I, I just want to warn you. I don't want you to waste your time. Well, Alan went to Hollywood and he had a six foot box made out of wood designed that looks like it came from uh, Robin Hood time because those are the kind of books Stephen was writing in those years. And he had a bow and arrow, bows and arrow, a, a big bow and arrows made that were put inside this box. 
And on the inside, on parchment paper, he had the proposal. And on the outside, he had let the adventure begin. And he shipped that one to, see, one to Stephen, one to his agent. Well, you know the conclusion of the story. He got the contract. He got the deal because it was just so innovative and different. And it stood out. And we are taught as writers. What are we taught as writers? We all know, hey, that first sentence got to be a good hook. Got to grab them from the start. So we do it. We shock and surprise Broca with that first sentence. But I don't find a lot of authors who do it outside of their books. And what I'm saying is, if you do, this will rocket your career further and faster than just about anything I know. Yeah, the temptation is to fit in, to try to be just like everybody else. And um, there's a time to do that. You don't want to be too different. Like, you don't want your book cover to look like it's coming from a different genre. But if you're too similar, they won't see you at all. Or maybe they'll read your book and enjoy it, but then when they're done, they don't remember the name of the author. And if you ever read a book that you enjoy, but you can't remember what the author's name, it, it moved you, but not enough. And maybe that author has some other books you would enjoy, but you don't know because they weren't different enough. They weren't interesting enough. And it, the we always feel like the emails that we send, everyone's going to want to open Right. Oh, everyone wants to read my, I'm announcing my book. This is big news. Everybody's going to open up this email. And if you've ever looked at your email statistics, you know that what's big news for you isn't big news for everyone. And every day you are making connections or not making connections. You're standing out or you're not standing out. You're being remembered or you're not being remembered. And any kind of business, not just publishing, any kind of business is about relationships and building those relationships. And so how do you do it? Here's another example, because a lot of people are saying, um, well, Jim, you know, you're an outgoing guy. You're gregarious. You can put yourself out there. It's not uncomfortable. You can sh shock and surprise and delight broke it in very introverted ways. <laughs> you don't have to be way out there. Let me give you another example. I was speaking at a conference in Colorado a few years ago, and the the gal who was putting on the conference emailed me ahead of time and said, Jim, are there any foods that you can't eat? Any dietary restrictions? I said, no, no dietary restrictions, but I can't stand squash. So she wrote back, okay, great, we'll take care of you. Well, when she dropped me off at my hotel the first night, she's just I'm just about to get out of the car, and she says, oh, I need to let you know this hotel is not great with snacks or that kind of thing, so I brought you something. <laughs> and she gives me this paper bag. I open it up. Of course, a big squash is inside, right? <laughs> and will I ever forget her? Never, right? And honestly, if she's, you know, if she asks me for a favor, I am prone to help her out just because she delighted Broca's area of the brain. She was different. She was unique. I mean, I th when at the inauguration this year and Lady Gaga came down in that outfit, I'm going, okay, that is memorable. And Lady Gaga is one of those people that love me, hate me, just don't ignore me right? You either hate her, you love her. Very few people are neutral on somebody like that. And as Thomas says, it's a risk because you are going to be not liked. And the other thing is you are going to crash and burn sometimes. But if you want to stand out in this life and as an author, you have to make that choice. And a big part of this is just giving yourself permission to be yourself, yes. to lean into the, all the weird and quirky parts of you that you felt the need to push down. If you went to, most of us growing up, were in a socialized context where anything that was weird or different about you got picked on, right? The public school can be a little bit like a bunch of chickens and the chicken with the one weird thing, all the other chickens peck at that, right? And it becomes a real sore point. And so you want to cover it up. You want to hide it. 
And now it's time to do the opposite of that, (laughs) to let that weird thing, that different thing shine, because that weird thing that you were picked on may be the thing that ends up making you the most interesting now. And you're not in school anymore. And hopefully you've learned some emotional resilience. You've learned some emotional maturity. And it really does help when it comes to developing a broker shocking brand. And it doesn't mean to be Lady Gaga. In fact, if anybody else were to try to do that, it wouldn't be very interesting. And and once there's enough copycats, it really stops working. And so don't do that. Don't be weird for the sake of being weird, but do be yourself and kind of be the most extreme, uh, the most real, the most true version of yourself you can be. And here's an example of what Thomas is talking about. So with with myself, with surprising and shocking broke, I'm 58 years old, but I still, I, I've been, God has blessed me with just good health. So at 58, I'm still water skiing like crazy. I'm dirt biking. I'm mountain biking. I'm, I'm hiking. I'm extremely active. And so in my bio, the first line of my bio is James L. Rubart is 28 years old, but he's trapped inside an older man's body, right? So that even that line surprises and shocks broke and people kind of smile. And then I follow it up with, he still thinks he's young enough to ski like water ski, like a madman and dirt bike with his two grown sons. So suddenly I'm making myself stand out by just surprising people that go, wow, he's still doing at that, at that age. And I posted a friend of mine posted about scuba diving the other day. And I, I said, Oh my gosh, I didn't know you were a scuba diver. I am too. And another mutual friend of ours go <laughs> made this comment said, yep, that fits the brand. And so it's not like Thomas says, it's not coming up with something you're not. It's just allowing yourself to be who you are. Yes. We've had a lot of examples of how to shock broke on a one-on-one basis, but how do you do it in a marketing context, not a sales context, but a marketing context where we're trying to shock the world or shock our target readers. What are some good strategies for doing that? Well, again, I, I'll use myself as an example. So I am consciously posting stuff, say, on social media that shows that I'm still kind of this adventurous guy at 58 years of age. And the other day I posted, here's an example. Again, I am trying to get people interested in me. As you said at the start of the show, before you can sell your book, before you can tell them about it, people have to be interested in you and go, well, that's an interesting guy. And so the other day, Micah comes to me, my son, uh, Micah's 25, and he's got this longboard. He said, Dad, hey, I got an idea. Let's tie a rope to the back of Mom's moped, and I'll set my iPhone up there, and you can drag me up and down the street, hauling me behind, and we'll get film of it, right? And so we did that, and Micah had no shirt, no helmet, no pads, no gloves, and I knew I was going to catch flack for that from a lot of the moms out there. What are you doing? Why are you allowing your son to be pulled 25 miles an hour down the road? And I'm riding on the moped without a a helmet. But on the other hand, I thought, this is who I am. This is who Micah is. So I'm going to post that on Facebook. And I got these, you know, a massive amount of likes and comments and that kind of thing. That's an example of going out to the masses and just being who you are in a captivating way. And again, I realized some people were going to say, Jim, what are you thinking? So I get that part of it. And you have to be able to, if you're going to start shocking broker, you have to be willing to take the criticism because you are going to get some. That's right. And these days, one of the easiest ways to shock broker is to just speak the truth. When everyone is lying and everyone's agreeing to the same lie, being the one person who's willing to say the truth, yeah. you will get everyone's attention. <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing. It's not normally that way, I don't think. I feel like there are times when the truth is very popular and times when the truth is not very popular. And right now is the time when the truth is not very popular. And if you're willing to say the truth, even if it's an uncomfortable truth, even if it's politically incorrect, 
that will get people's attention. And when you have people clamoring to cancel you because you're saying an uncomfortable truth, that's when you win. (laughs) That's exactly right. You've heard this before. No publicity is bad publicity. And there is a lot of evidence for the fact that if you are getting attention from people for good or bad, they love you or hate you. That's a good marketing strategy because it brings attention. And the reality is Thomas and I were talking about YouTube videos (laughs) just before we got on here. And some of the YouTube videos, you, you just go, how in the world is this getting down votes, right? <laughs> There's nothing not to like about this video, but you still you still get them. It does not matter what you do. There are some people who are not going to get it and not going to like it. And you have to say, that's okay. You're not my audience anyway. But you're probably, you might be talking about it to other people, how much you don't like it. And that person might go and go, oh, you don't like it, but, but I kind of do. So where do you get that courage? Because a lot of people are probably nervous, right? They want to hide. They want to fit in. They want to dress just like everyone else and write a book just like everyone else. And they don't really want to get criticism, right? They want to stand out, but they don't want to get criticism. There's really no way to shock Broca without getting criticism, right? You're pour hot coffee on yourself at the restaurant and everyone's looking at you. Some of those people are angry because you interrupted their conversation, right? And this is kind of an extreme example, but people don't like having Broca shocked. They resent it a little bit. People want life to go on the way that it always has. They tell themselves that they don't. They tell themselves that they want to live a new and adventurous life, but they buy the same kind of coffee every every time they go to the grocery store. <laughs> Most people. They're not you know, trying a new cup of coffee every day. And it becomes more that way as we get older. So, so where do we find or how do we cultivate the courage to start doing things different when everyone is you know, walking one way, we walk the other way? Start small. Start with just little things. It can be an email, right? It can be writing the email instead of the typical way. Write it a little bit differently. Try a different sign-off. I would get a partner. If I was starting off shocking broker, I would get a partner, and I would weekly meet and go, how did you do it in a small way? How did you do it? Because the way we are wired is we get these dopamine hits, right? That's what the social media people have figured out. If we get a little reward or we get a little recognition and people go, yay, Jim, right? We get a dopamine hit when we see all those likes. Which I should say is the chemical uh, responder in your brain that's connected with doing cocaine and with doing exciting things and being happy. Dopamine is a very addictive neurochemical that we produce ourselves. And there are things that social media does that cause dopamine to be released in our brain. Right. And that's why I'm not a fan of social media because that dopamine, they know the trigger to get us to <laughs> don't stay do on drugs, that. kids. Yeah, that don't Facebook, do drugs. Facebook, it will mess you up. <laughs> <laughs> don't do dopamine. Um, don't do the Facebook. Don't do the Twitter. Those are bad drugs. But what I'm saying is if you try it just in a little way and you get, oh my gosh, people really like this, then it's going to perpetuate itself. And I'll give you an example. I actually. I taught my sons how to do this. And I'll give you one example. So we went to the Space Needle one day, and uh, my wife and, and my son, Taylor and Mike and I, and this song came on that Taylor liked in the restaurant, in the pizza restaurant. And I said, Taylor, if you get up and dance for a full minute in the middle of this restaurant, I will give you 10 bucks. And I, Taylor might have been 11 or 12 at that point, And that's a lot of money you know, for an 11 or 12-year-old. And so that is a risk. That is nervous. That is uncomfortable for a 12-year-old to do it. But he got, he wanted the $10, so he got up and danced for a full minute. And what do you think happened after he got done? Everybody in the restaurant clapped, right? So he had a reinforcement that, hey, being weird and being different and putting myself out there, 
actually a lot of people will respond positively. So if you're going, I don't know if I can do this, start small, start seeing what happens. Find an accountability partner where you can encourage and challenge each other to shock broka. And it, yeah, don't go big at first. Just start small and let it build and let it build. I would say another way to develop courage is to fall in love with your readers, right? The more you love them, the more fear will be cast out. <laughs> and the once you realize I have to get their attention somehow, otherwise I can't connect with them with my book. And that desire to bless or uh, entertain your readers can be a really powerful desire, right? For some people, that's, I, I want to edify them somehow. For other people, it's like, I want to make money, right? It's like, kind of like with Taylor, right? It's like money can be a powerful motivator. We'll do scary things for money, right? It's like, how much do you have to get paid to jump out of an airplane? Well, some people will do it for free. Other people, you know, they, they're going to need to have some real money attached to it. The other thing you can do is find, what, do you, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? What's different and unique about you that other people don't do? And, and Thomas and I have worked with a lot of authors over the years, and one of the things we find again and again and again is the thing that you think is just normal, well, everybody does that, everybody has that talent. It's like, no, they don't. You, you are really unique in this area. And I'll give you two examples of this. When I was at my ad agency, I would go into new clients, and, and some of you know I, I like magic and sleight of hand. So I would do, <laughs> I would do sleight of hand in my presentations, that is either going to be massively successful or it's going to massively crash and burn and both happened to me. But I went into the AT&T wireless dealers in Seattle. I was the last guy in and they just kind of got my agency in at the last second. And I did, I did this magic trick as part of my presentation and it just blew them away. And they said, well, we'll let you know in two weeks who got the account. They called me back two days later. You've got the account, right? So I used my, I used something that was fairly unique about me. Another example is, uh, I was teaching on surprising and shocking broke out one year at a conference and this gal comes up to me a few days later and she goes, Oh my gosh, I did it. I did it. What'd you do? Well, I'm a cartoonist and I took my pitch I had an editor appointment. I took my pitch and I drew the whole thing out as cartoons. And so I walked in there with this stack of three by five cards. I didn't say anything. I just sat down and started doing my cards. Well, oh my gosh, talk about surprising and delighting Broca. So it's not going to shock any of you that the editor said, I have to see your proposal. So what do you do that's different? What, what hobbies do you have that you can naturally tie into shocking Broca? And an important point here. You know, what do you, what can you do that's different? The only way for you to know that is to know what is normal. You need to know what the pattern is that you are breaking, which means you need to be reading the books that you are competing with. You need to be going to the other author websites that write similar books to what you write. You need to be looking at their websites because if you don't know what normal is, you don't know what different is. And maybe they're all trying to be quirky in the same way. Uh, here in my town the for a few years it was like everyone was like i'm gonna cuss and use lots of foul language <laughs> in my podcast and that's how i'm gonna stand out and it and it turned out that me not being the one guy that wasn't cussing that was what stood out <laughs> it was like everyone tried to be different in the same way all at the same time and they all ended up blending in with each other whereas if only one person was cussing on their podcast then they would be the ones standing out because everyone else has got a clean podcast you're the one with the uh, extreme or the explicit podcast that's what makes you different and knowing who you're trying to reach is really important because the pattern there's no one pattern right there's no one way of being there's no one way of dressing or, or of talking 
And so you need to be in the world of your target reader. You need to know who they are and be in their world so you can know what they're seeing so you can know how to stand out, right? If you're a dog, you can't see all the colors, right? And so you need to know how the dog sees the world so you can know how to stand out in the world. There's certain colors that if you dress in that color, you may be really flashy for a human, really garish even, whereas for a dog, they have a really hard time differentiating you from the background. Yeah, yeah, that's really good, Thomas. So any, uh, we're almost out of time, but any other final uh, tips for shocking Broca in our readers? I guess the biggest thing is this is not, this is everywhere. This is everywhere in your life. This is something you can teach your kids. It will provide opportunities. You would just be surprised how many opportunities outside of the publish. Even if, I guess what I'm saying is have this become a lifestyle for you and the people around you, because these are the type of people that get opportunities. These are the type that get promotions and job offers and are invited into greater adventures than you can imagine. Again, I've taught this to my kids and I've seen what has happened in their lives. So do it for yourself, teach it to your kids. And I guess the final thing is, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable at first, but as you do it, it becomes, oh, it becomes so fun. It becomes almost a game. So don't be afraid to step in. Be courageous in the little things and you can learn to be courageous in the big things and courage, truth, those surprise and delight readers take a stand <laughs> our uh, sponsor today is the rubart writing academy james l rubart what is the rubart writing academy <laughs> i have heard of that so i wanted to develop a course that i would love to have taken when i was starting out so essentially the rubart writing academy we have two live academies coming up this fall in october and early november and if you want to learn how to be a best-selling Christie award-winning author, I can give you some assistance in that. We have a limited number of spots. I'd love you to go to rubartwritingacademy.com and check it out. And you can ask me any questions about it. Would love to have you join us this fall. Our featured patron today is Jennifer Lamont Leo, author of The Rose Keeper. During the Great Depression, a spoiled socialite must suddenly find a way to support herself and her child. Can she turn a homemade recipe for skin tonic into a livelihood? So Jennifer Lamont Leo, thank you so much for helping support the show, keeping the show on the air, uh, helping pay for the editing and the blogification of each of these episodes. I really appreciate your support. And if you'd like to become a patron, patrons get a bonus episode every month, as well as many other perks. We'll have a link to become a patron in the show notes at authormedia.com forward slash 287. Now, Jim, I imagine some people are wondering, what have you been up to since the last time you were on the show? Have you been uh, off in your bunker writing more books? <laughs> yeah, I guess I have. But, uh, my friend Susie Warren, some of you know Susan May Warren, she and I and her son, we actually wrote six books together that are all releasing this year. Three have already released. And the second three are going to release the second half of the year. And uh, the name of the series is The True Lies of Rembrandt Stone. And it's the tale of a detective who time travels in order to solve cold cases. And if you want a free chapter, you can get the f a free chapter, the first chapter of the first book, Cast the First Stone, by going to rembrandtstone.com, go down to the bottom of the page, and it's actually, you'll get a first chapter of the audiobook, which I've had the pleasure of voicing those books, um, which I'm loving, loving, loving doing that. Very good. I imagine writing six books has kept you pretty busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been a little, been a little bit busy. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you finding time to work uh, time in to come on the Novel Marketing Podcast and uh, 
We'll have to get you back again sometime. Yes. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, which is a production of Author Media. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstadt. The blog post is by Shauna Letelier, and Jim and I were your hosts today. <laughs> so uh, if you want to find out more about the Rubart Writing Academy, you can do that at rubartwritingacademy.com. And to find the blog version of this episode, go to authormedia.com. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.